You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Today, we're going to listen in to this past Sunday's message by Pastor Matt Garcia. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Today, I'm starting off uh, a new message series, and it's entitled, Why? And this message series, we're talking about the tough questions of faith. Okay, tough questions that uh, maybe we're too afraid to ask because it reveals a little doubt in us, or maybe we feel inadequate or or things like that. Well, we're going to address some of those things. Um, Like, why is life not fair? Uh, Why is there evil in the world? Um, Is it okay to doubt? We're going to talk about some of these things, and today we're going to talk about prayer. And the big question is, why do we pray if God already knows what's going to happen? What's the whole purpose of it? I mean, do we change uh, things in our life. Why do we pray? And so we're going to talk about that. But um, I just know that prayer is, is an important part of our ministry and discipleship here at Fortress Church. We just talked about the National Day of Prayer on May the 4th. By the way, may the 4th be with you. Okay. Good. I got some good response. The first service, they're like, what? I'm a Star Wars nerd, so I just, may the 4th be with you. Anyway, so we, we have National Day of Prayer today where we all come together and, and and just, and just pray as believers in corporate prayer together, uh, believing for God for, to do some amazing things. Um, we also have this thing called The War Room. Have you seen The War Room movie? Yeah, The War Room movie. It's a great movie. Uh, we actually have a war room right back there. It's like a little closet that we have in the back. And right now, someone is praying for us right now. They're praying for you, that your hearts, your minds would be open to receive Christ to receive what he has for you today. He's talking to you. They're praying that you're, you're listening, okay? And they're praying for a lot of other things. And so uh, right now, they're praying. Prayer is a deep part of discipleship here at Fortress Church. And, and so it's a good to have a good understanding of prayer. How should we approach prayer? And, and I'm reminded of a story of these group of friends, uh, these group of friends, they loved each other. They went on lots of road trips together. They, uh, they knew each other for, for a couple of years. They've been together. They're inseparable, right? Except for actually this, the leader of the group. Uh, he was kind of separable because um, he would a lot of times just get away from the group, and he just wanted to be alone all the time. Um, and he has a history of this. When he was younger, his parents misplaced him. <laughs> You know, there's so many times where uh, he just wanted to kind of be alone. He just wanted to be uh, alone. And they're always trying to figure out why. Why, did, why does he want to be alone? Where is he? Where is he at? They're trying to find him uh, pretty much everywhere they went. He wanted to be alone. And then one day, they found out what he was doing. And they conversed with one another when they figured out what he was doing to, to when he was alone. And they're like, hey, I want to. I want to do that too. Let's, let's ask him. Let's ask him how we can do what he's doing. Um, this story is actually Jesus and the disciples. Jesus, many times, he, he wanted to be alone. And what he was doing in his alone time, he was praying. He was interceding with God the Father. Disciples were constantly looking for him. Where, where did Jesus go again? They're trying to find him. And when they found him, he was alone praying for them, praying for the people that he was going to impact 
in this life that he had. He knew his future. He knew that he, was, he would die and resurrect on the third day and ascend into heaven. The Holy Spirit would come and be with them. He's praying, God, let this be fruitful. Let the disciples' eyes be open, ears listening to what you have to say. And the disciples, they discovered something. They saw that he had a deep prayer life. He performed all these miracles, all these great things, but they asked him this one question in Luke 11.1. 1, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. How do we pray? I mean, good Jewish boys that they were, they knew how to pray. They were in, grew up in synagogue. They knew all the, all the prayers, the pre-written things that they should say, the things that they should do, the candles that they should light. They knew all the things that they should do, but Jesus he liked to flip the tables around. I don't know if you noticed that in the Bible. He liked to change things up. And, and they noticed that his prayer life was a bit different. And they wanted to know more about it. They wanted to know more about it. And we read that. And Jesus actually uh, responded to them. He said, oh, you want to learn how to pray? Okay. This is how you pray. And then he uh, gave them what we now know as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But today's topic is prayer. But in order to know how we approach prayer, we first need to understand who God is, okay? So God, he is this, you know, cosmic all-knowing being, but he's not in the cosmic being that, that's what's known as deism, where he just created the world and then spun it and then just kind of left it alone, just let us to do whatever we want with it. Okay, that's not God. He's in and active in our lives and through us. He knows us by name. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows what you've done and what you're going to do. God is living and active in your life. So he's not that cosmic being that just spun the world and left us alone. No, he's active. He wants a relationship with us. But God is also not on the other end of the spectrum, an eternal Santa Claus where he's just up in the sky, and when we pray to him, he just gives us whatever we want, okay? That's not who God is. Um, God is neither of those. He wants deep relationship with us, but it's all according to his will. So we need to understand who God is before we approach prayer. So that's who God is. He's not this cosmic being that leaves us alone, but he's also not, doesn't give us whatever we ask, like an eternal Santa Claus, and it's all about us. No, it's all about him. So let's talk about prayer. Now that we know who God is and what his relationship is like with us, let's talk about, okay, so how do we approach prayer? How do we approach prayer? Um, prayer is communication with God. And we read, I, I found a couple of scriptures that deal with prayer. So let's read them together. Um, we have Matthew 18, 19 to 20. I'll, I'm going to read it. Uh, it's Jesus talking. He says, I also tell you this, if two or three or if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Many of us have this idea, if, if you grew up in church, if you grew up in the faith, you have this just memorized. You know, when pe uh, people come together, like, with two or three are gathered, Jesus is there, boom. You know, that's just like a, a phrase that you say, you know, if, we, if you grew up in the faith. That's one thing that you said. Uh, another, thing, another verse that's like it is First John. 5, 14 through 15. It says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. 
Okay, so God hears us, and we have to be confident in prayer that he could, he's faithful and just uh, to forgive us of our sins, answer our prayers, okay? So that's what this verse says. Another verse in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 7, the last part of verse 7, he says, he will give us whatever we ask. So if, if we look at this, these scriptures give us the impression that if we have enough faith, if we, if we don't look at the context, okay, if we just read it just how I read it, if, if we read it that way, it gives us the impression that if we just have enough faith, right, maybe if we do the right things, if we, just, if we just have enough faith, then God has to do whatever we ask, whatever we request, right? But it just sounds a little not like God because I don't know about you, but I don't really want all my requests answered. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about you. I don't know if you look back a couple of uh, prayer requests ago, maybe a couple of years ago, you made this prayer request, and you realize now, you're like, I'm so glad God didn't answer my prayer, right? I- I'm so glad. Uh, if, if he did, I would be uh, broke. I wouldn't have a great job that, that I like. I wouldn't, uh, my family would be a wreck. I would be a wreck, right? We, we look at this, I'm, I'm so thankful that God didn't answer uh, my prayer. So, so really, that's not the perspective either. Um, so what does these scriptures say? Because that's not the best way to view God. So let's look at this. Um, I know that the question that I'm asking here today is, is why pray when God already knows? Okay, that's, I'm going to get to that. Um, but let's look at our approach to prayer. Okay, How do we approach it? Well, let's look at what prayer is not. And let's look at... Um, Actually, yeah, let's look at Matthew chapter 6. This is the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer. Uh, many of us have learned it or, or heard of it um, as we grew up in church, or maybe if you didn't grow up in church, you've maybe heard it in the movies or something. Um, but this is it, uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This is the way Jesus approached prayer. Disciples asked him, hey, Jesus, how do we pray? Jesus responded, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I want you to notice these words, your will be done. Okay, Jesus, pray these prayers. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Jesus makes this a priority in his prayer life. And we know that because we read in the story of the Garden of Gethsemane. If you're not familiar with this uh, story, Jesus is at the point where he understands, he realizes he's about to die on the cross. He's with his disciples. Uh, he's in deep prayer. Uh, maybe he doesn't want the disciples to distract him. So he's like, okay, you guys pray over there. I'm going to go over here because you're going to distract me, okay? So he's interceding with the Father. He's so, um, the Bible says that he was sweating blood. He was so distressed. He had the weight of the world on his shoulders. He knew what he was about to do. And this is what he asked. It's very interesting. As Matthew 26, 39 is the story. Let me read it. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, If it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. 
And then in verse 42, a couple verses later, he says it again. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Verse 44, so he went to pray a third time, saying the same thing again. Three times, Jesus approached the Father. He said, let this cup pass from me. Basically what he's saying, is there any other way? God, if there's another way to save these people, the weight of the world is on my shoulders. Is there any other way besides death on the cross? Is there any other way? But notice he said, but your will be done. Your will be done. That's this point. We don't pray to change God's will. We don't pray to change God's will. I have two points today in the sermon. Two points. Number one, we shouldn't have this perspective. We don't pray to change God's will. So, but we have this, we also need to have this perspective that Jesus had too. Okay, so Jesus, he was on the ground crying out to God and and he let his, he was being authentic. He was open. He was honest. God, if there's any other way, let's, let's do it. But, but your will be done. I'm ultimately, I'm going to submit my will to you, Father. And I think that's the perspective that we need to have. We need to ultimately submit to the will of the Father. That's what Jesus did. And I'm so glad he did that because there really is no other way. The cross was the only way for our redemption. I'm so glad he submitted to the will of the Father. Um, And so we read this, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he says this again in the Garden of Gethsemane. God, if this cup pass for me, but your will be done. Your will be done. It's all about you, right? And it's okay to share God with share with God your will, what you would like to do. But ultimately, our mindset should be not to change God's mind or change God's will, uh, but to model our life after Him. Um, maybe uh, we need to change our perspective on this because here's the thing: we gotta wait. Hold on a second. In, in Matthew, what I, the, the verses I just read in Matthew and First John and the Gospel of John. It says these verses, hey, if we pray, uh, you know, God is faithful and just to pray. He's going to answer our prayers because, you know, we're with it and, and, and uh, he's going to answer our prayers. If we just ask, all we got to do is ask, right? That's what these scriptures say, but that's, that's not really, you know, we need to read the whole context of it. So let's actually do that. Um, one of the verses I read was in John fifteen seven. It says, if you ask for anything you want, it'll be granted. Let's read the whole context. Okay, let's read the whole context. John 15, verse 7 through 8 says this. Oh, let's, let's actually, okay, this is, the, this is the scene behind it, okay? Jesus is sitting down with his disciples at his last meal. He's, he's kind of going over some things. He knows he's about to die. He knows what's about to happen. And so he's sharing with his disciples. He's like, okay, so uh, let's get our house in order. Uh, just to make sure, I spent three years with you guys. You know, hopefully you know this by now. You know, he starts going over some things. Okay, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna die on the third day. I'm gonna resurrect, but then I'm gonna leave again, ascend into heaven. Don't worry, the Holy Spirit's gonna come down. And the disciples are like, "What is going on? You're not gonna die." That's not what... So they're confused. And so Jesus is like, "Okay, just just settle down. Here's an illustration." So he uses the illustration of a vine and a branch in John chapter 15. He says, okay, listen up, guys. Listen, eyes on me. Peter, look at me. Okay, I'm the vine. You're the branch, right? 
So he's saying to his disciples, I'm the vine, you're the branch. If you're apart from me, guess what? You're going you're, you're gonna to wither away and die. You're not going to be fruitful. But if you stay with me, I'm the supplier of all your needs. Remain in me, re- abide in me, and everything will be okay. Just, just abide, remain in me. Okay, that's this whole thing. And he repeats it in verse 7, so let's read that. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for whatever you, for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So here's the answer to this uh, question in context of the Scripture. When we remain, other versions of the Bible say abide. If we remain, abide, be connected with God, then our prayers are answered. Then our will starts to go away and dissipate and become his will. Okay, so uh, I'm not married yet, but I see a lot of married couples, okay? And that's one of my strengths. I like to analyze people. I like to see and like see, oh, they have this type of personality and this type. And I see, you know, some things. I see a lot of married couples. And some things like intrigue me, actually, especially the married couples that have been married and together for like 10, 20, 30 years. You start seeing this cool little uh, kind of funny uh, pattern in their life. Okay. Um, And maybe you've seen it a while. Maybe you're sitting next to them. Okay. So you could give them the nudge like, yeah, this is us. Okay. So. Uh, the wife, maybe they're at like like a, a party or, or like or something. They're they're at a they're at a uh, an event, and and the wife looks over from across the room and sees her husband trying to get that third piece of pie, you know, at the event. And so the wife is like, "Ooh, what what is he doing? He's on a diet." What? And the husband, he's like trying not to look the other way. You know, he's like. Does she, is she seeing me? Is she watch? She's she's looking over here. She's look okay. And so she, oh, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. He's like the taste buds. He's just salivating. He wants that pie. And so he picks up the piece of pie, puts it on his plate, and he sees his wife. And she's just like, they don't even have to talk. They don't. Even, they just. She just gives him the crazy eye, and they know what's going on. He knows he's in trouble. You know. He knows what's about to happen. They're so connected. They don't even have to talk. They just look at each other, and they know what they're saying, okay? And so that, that's funny. I see that a lot. A lot of married couples, they know each other so well that guess what? They start to finish each other's sandwiches. Yes! They start to finish each other's sandwiches because their appetites start being the same and everything. And they start to act like one another. I don't know if you notice. I, I look around, especially the couples who've been together for like 30 plus years. They start to act like one another. They're like, why did I say this word? I've never used this word before. Oh, my husband says it, you know. So they start doing it. I don't know if this is, this is you. I've noticed that with married couples. And um, scientists, they actually have a name for this. You know this? They have a name for this. It's called emotional contagion. And this is what it is. The longer you spend time with somebody the more you'll start to be unconsciously influenced by their emotional states and begin to reflect them back. That's the same way in our relationship with God. Okay, what I said before, it's not our will, but his will be done. We don't, ch- we don't pray to change God's will. Instead, what he says, if you remain in me and I in you, if you just abide with me, if you're connected with me, 
you're going to have this emotional contagion with me. You're going to start to reflect me. And all your actions, all your abilities, all your skills, all your knowledge, they're going to reflect who I am as God. And guess what? Your will and your desires fade away, and your desires and your will starts to reflect God's. So guess what? All those scriptures that say, if we ask for anything, it would be given to you. That's true. It's true. But the catch is, here's the thing. Your will has to be conformed to his will. So really, whatever you ask is really his will, right? And so it's done. You see, you see that comparison there. You see that connectedness. It all starts with a relationship with him. So we don't change God's will in prayer. We just, we just don't do that. Um, so we're in close uh, relationship with God, and we begin to be in God's will and reflect him in our lives Let's God's desires become our desires. We want to please him. We want to be in his will, and our prayers are answered because we're so in tune with God. Okay, this is how it is. And like I said before, I don't, I don't want my, my will to be done. There's countless prayer requests that I'm so glad he didn't answer, right? Amen. Man, my life would be a wreck if he answered all my prayer requests. Um, so God, you know, he's, he's all-powerful, and sovereign, and we don't change God's mind when we pray. And so now we know how we should not approach prayer. We shouldn't go approach it and change God's will. Um, so how do we do it? So here's the answer to why we pray. Why do we pray if God already knows? Here's the answer. We do pray to draw closer to God. That's the whole purpose of prayer. I like this quote by E. Stanley Jones. He says this. I want you to picture yourself in this illustration. We got any uh, fishermen in here? Fisherwomen like to fish? Okay, here's an illustration for you. If I throw out a boat hook from the boat and catch hold of the shore and pull, do I pull the shore to me or do I pull myself to the shore? Prayer is not pulling God to my will but the aligning of my will to the will of God. Can I say that again? I didn't hear a lot of amens. Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but the aligning of my will to the will of God. When we pray, we draw closer to him. This is what it's all about. So this is the connection between point one. Point one, we don't pray to change God's will, but we do pray to draw closer to him. And when we do that, we do it in connection with God. When we choose to pray, we choose to worship him. And prayer isn't something that God needs, okay? He's not feasting off of prayer. I can only survive if they just pray to me. That's not who God is. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't need us, but he desires this. So prayer isn't something God needs as if it's a tool or a method to enact a desired response, okay? That's not why we pray. That's not something that God needs, but it is something that God wants. You know what it is? It's an open invitation to grow closer to the Heavenly Father. That's what it is. That's what it is. So we know that God is sovereign. He's, he's all-powerful. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you did yesterday. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows this. But guess what? He's also omnipresent, which means that he's everywhere at the same time. Everywhere at the same time. So in this aspect, in this illustration of the boat, we draw closer to him. He's already here. You understand? If God is omnipresent, that means he's already here. It's just, it takes us a while to realize that. 
It takes us a while to realize we, when we say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. God, we invite you in. Uh, that's great and all, but God, he's actually already here. When we sing those words, when we say those things, really, we're putting ourselves, it's for us. We're saying, okay, God, I need to, I, I forgot, I need to understand that you're, you've been here. You've already done your work in my life. You've been here. I need to realize that you're, you're still here, right? God is omnipresent. He's always been there. So it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility as disciples. We are the ones who get closer, right? God, Jesus already bridged the gap that sin tore apart through the cross. And he's already waiting for us. He's already there. It's just our responsibility to, to go to the side and make that decision to follow him, right? Makes that decision to grow closer to him. God wouldn't be loving if he made us love him, right? That, that's not love. You can't make someone love you. And that's how God is. He's, he's going he's gonna to say, hey, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I, I love you so much. And I want you to love me. I'm not going to force you to, though. It's, it's your decision. You could, give a, you could give in to those sins, those that lust, those lies. You could give in to that and, and avoid me. But just know that I sustain you. I, I'm the only one that's here. It's, it's your responsibility. You take that next step, son. You take that next step, daughter. I, I've, I've been here. I want you to make that decision to love me because I love you. That's what he's saying today. That's what he's saying. When we choose to pray, we choose to worship him. We choose to grow closer to him in relationship. Um, as pastors, you know, I've been a pastor for a couple of years now, and I, I've had uh, many people come up to me, and this is not everybody. I, I want to throw a blanket a, a statement over everybody. This is not everybody, but this is some people um, that come up to me when they ask for prayer requests. They say, uh, Pastor, I have this, this uh, prayer request. Uh, this person, a family member needs to be healed, or I need a job, or, you know, whatever the prayer request is. Uh, and they come to me, and, and they say that. And, of course, I say, yes, I'm going to pray for you. Yeah, let's, let's pray. Sometimes it's right then and there. Sometimes it's later. I, I, I pray for them and their requests. But sometimes I ask them a question. They say, uh, Pastor, can you pray for me? My family member is sick or blah, blah, blah. And I say, okay, okay. So I, I'll, I'll pray for you. But what, what do you think that God is trying to tell you today? What do you think God's, like, what, what do you think God's response to you in this situation? And many times, not all the time, but many times, they look at me kind of like with a blank stare. Like, I don't know. That's, that's your job, right? <laughs> you know, you're a pastor. That, that's, that's your job. I just present my request to you. You have this. Some people have this perspective that um, we as pastors, we have this like golden phone line in the back, like to God. It's like, oh, you have a special prayer request. Hold on one second. Let me just pick it up. You know, it's like really old, like the little, you know, it's like really special. So, all right, God, hey, listen, uh, hey, all you young kids out there, this is, you used to pick up the phone. I don't know. Many people, they don't know that. They're like, what are you doing? That's not how you, you go like this. No, this is, yeah, you picked the phone. Sorry. Just, anyways, so it's, we don't have this special phone line. That we say, oh, uh, uh, God, um, this person, they have a special prayer request. Uh, yeah, it's Pastor Matt. Yeah, yeah, Matt Garcia. Right, that one. No, no, not that one. Yeah, that one. And so we go, and, and we have this special line to God. That's, we don't have that. We don't have this special ability that, as, as pastors, that, that somehow God hears us better. We have a better, like, cell phone, spiritual cell phone service. That's not how it works. 
Okay, the only difference between me and you is that I have a microphone. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. Guess what, guys? We, and I don't want you to get the wrong idea. We, we want your prayer requests. We want to believe God with you. So please, give us those prayer requests. I'm not saying don't. Give us those prayer requests. We want to pray with you, but on one condition. You got to pray too. You got to pray too. Because guess what? God could hear you just as much as he could hear us. Amen? I want to invite you to do that. Prayer isn't something to enact a desired response. Only certain people could do it, and they have better spiritual cell phone service. No. God responds and wants communication with that, and you don't have to have the title of a pastor. So I want to encourage you today. I just want to throw that out there. Um, you know, prayer is, is something that we all could do. Um, and it also takes humility and trust. I read in Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9, God is speaking to the people of Israel. And I imagine he's maybe a little bit frustrated with the people of Israel. They've turned their backs on him. They've strayed away. They don't want anything to do with God. And, but he has a plan, right? And you know what that plan is? That plan was to send Jesus, the Messiah. But the time isn't there yet. And so I, I feel like God is maybe a little bit frustrated. Like he's telling him, just trust me. And so we read in Isaiah 55, Verses 8 through 9, he says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could ever imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God is saying, trust me. You don't know. If, if God would try to explain to us what the whole purpose of it is, we wouldn't understand because we're finite. He's infinite. There's no comparison. He, if he, even if he would try to tell us his plan, we wouldn't understand. So that's why it takes faith. That's why we say, oh, I'm a part of this faith, this Christian faith, because it takes trust. It takes humility to pray. It takes losing that control over your life and realizing that, it's all about God's will and what he wants for my life. Life lesson, to build muscles, people lift weights. To grow trust, Christians pray. To grow trust, Christians pray. This is hard because prayer takes humility and trust. And the marks of a true prayer life is total dependence on God's will and a desire to be in his presence. A desire to be in his presence. Um, I have worked with children for a, a, a lot of my life. I don't have any children of my own, but uh, I remember I just I, I used to work at uh, Lifetime Fitness in, in the daycare, and I see used to work with a lot of a lot of the, the younger kids. And it seems like their parents, whenever they dropped them off before they worked out, they just give them like a whole pack of Red Bull, and then just like let them loose in the daycare because they just come and they're just crazy. They're so active. I don't know if you have kids like that. If they're around you, don't raise your hand. Just be like, yeah. Um, we have like you know crazy kids that they want to be active they want to be uh doing something i remember um uh someone telling me that uh, they had uh, they were trying to make uh dinner for the family the uh, the mom she was making dinner she was trying to get it all prepared but her son was just so uh, wanting to help out, right? Wanting to, mom, can I do this? What's this little thing? Is that fire? Ooh, you know, she's like touching everything. No, no, get away. You know, she's bothering him. But the son just wanted to be with her, uh, his mom, right? 
She wanted to be with this mom. And so what she did was, you, you want to help out? You want to do something? Okay, okay. Uh, she just got like a bowl of, of water, a big bowl of water. She put it on the ground. She got a little, uh, you know, a little stir thing. And she said, okay, here you go. Right here, I need you to stir that water. Because I need, I need some great, I need some water for what I'm doing. And it, it needs to be stirred. Like really, like in order to get it good, you need to spin it for like an hour. Okay. So just really, really do that. And so son's like, okay. And then just starts spinning that water. Look, mom, I'm spinning the water. Woohoo. You know, she's like, yeah, awesome. You're stirring the water, you know. And then she, he, she got him off his back. She could make dinner, right? Um, really, the son, she just wanted to be with his mom, right? She just wanted to be with his mom in his presence. And a lot of times in our life, <laughs> um, Sometimes God gives us these little tasks, you know. Um, it, it's not a perfect illustration, but so God gives us these little tasks. And, and uh, really, I think we should have that desired response of, of that little child. We just want to be in his presence, right? We may feel like we're not doing as much or as little. Um, but in this situation, the son just wanted to be with his mom. And the mom wanted to be with his son. And I think that's the mark of a true prayer life. Just being in the presence, not seeking to get something out of God. You know, you come with God like eternal Santa Claus a list. All right, well, according to today's agenda, um, I need uh, X amount of dollars to pay this bill. Um, I need my wife to stop nagging. I need, you know, all these things. And so we have this list, right? And that's, that's not how we should approach God. We should have requests. I'm not saying that. We should have requests like, hey, God, can you intercede with me? Can you be with me in this moment? Can you help me out? I'm not saying that we should do that, but that's not how we should approach it first. We should first approach and say, God, it's not about me. It's about you. God, I want to be closer to you, right? Imagine ourselves in that boat as a fisherman. We throw that, that line over to the shore you're not pulling the shore to yourself. You're pulling yourself to the shore because guess what? The shore is bigger. The shore is stronger than you. Same thing. We cast our prayer life over to God. God's not coming to us. He's already here. What we're doing is we're drawing closer to him because God's bigger. God's better. He's sovereign. He wants relationship with us, and we get closer and closer and closer to him. Guess what? Through prayer. Through prayer. That's why we pray. From the beginning of time, God, he desired a relationship with you. I don't know if, 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 you're, if you get this. I don't know if it's your first time or you've been here for a while. Christianity is all about a relationship. God wants a relationship with you. He's constantly reaching out to you. Sometimes our, our spiritual radars are down and we're not listening or we have him blocked on, on, our, on our spiritual phones so we don't even see his, him trying to talk to us, trying to communicate to us. But God, he's, he's trying. He's trying his best. Are you listening? Are you responding? Are you in deep prayer? Do you want to draw closer to him? Or do you just want to, him to do the things that you ask? What's your perspective? Leonard Ravenhill says this, No man is greater than his prayer life. The disciples understood this. They went to Jesus. They, they saw him alone praying, being alone. Hey, there's something special about, about that. And guess, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever regretted spending time with God? Like after, after like you, you pray for a while, um, do you ever look at your phone and be like, man, 
wish I could just watch that 15 minutes of ESPN. I just want to watch that politicalness on ESPN. No, no, that's not how, that's not what God is. That's not who, um, that's, that's not our, our relationship with him. We don't, no one's ever regretted spending time with God. God's always been communicating. He's always going to respond to you. He's always going to be there. No man is greater than his prayer life. The disciples understood that. They saw the acts and miracles that Jesus performed, and they said, wow, that's, that's awesome. It has to come from his prayer life. That's what they asked him. When <laughs> Jesus did some amazing miracles, amazing things, and his disciples asked to teach him how to pray. They didn't go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, you... I just saw that. That was awesome. You just like spit in mud and then put it, wiped it on the guy's eyes and he could see. That's awesome. Jesus, can you show me how to do that? Like what's the mud to spit ratio that I need to do? Do I like need to shove it in his eye or just like put it a little bit in his eye? You know, no, that's not who, <laughs> they didn't ask that. They didn't ask how they should heal blind people. They didn't ask when Jesus fed the 5,000 people with just two loaves and the, and the bread uh, and, and the fish. They didn't ask uh, Jesus had to do that. They didn't say, hey, Jesus, so how'd you do that? Do you have to like lift it up at a certain height, a little basket? So when you bring it down, it's like, whoa, a bunch more food. How do you do that, Jesus? We have to like work out our arms to get it to do that. What do you do? No, they didn't ask Jesus for that. Peter, he was looking out and he saw Jesus walking on the water. He didn't look on the other side, have a measuring tape and be like, all right, it's about five feet from the water. Uh, I would say according to my calculations, probably I could drown in there. But uh, so Jesus uh, what do I, do, do I just jump out? I mean, can I jump? Can I just walk? Can I run? You know, so that Peter didn't ask that. He didn't say, teach me how to walk on water. He just did it, right? Listen, but one thing the disciples did ask of Jesus, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Because they knew that all that stemmed from a deep prayer life with the Father. Isn't that amazing that they understood that? So in Luke 11, 1, Lord, teach us how to pray, they asked. And then we read the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio podcast. Fortress Church is located in San Antonio, Texas, near Bandera and Prue Road. For more information, check us out at www.fortresschurch.org.